the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm taking a few days off, so we're rerunning some of your favorite programs of the past. I'll be back on Monday, live, Monday the 19th. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, September the 7th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On September 7, 1940, Nazi Germany began its eight-month bombing blitz of Britain during World War II. It was the first air attack on London. Today in 1901, the Boxer Rebellion in China ended. Today in 1968, feminists protested outside the Miss America pageant in Atlantic City, New Jersey. They were kind of ugly, I suppose. Didn't like those pretty girls on the stage or whatever. Today in 1977, the Panama Canal Treaties calling for the U.S. to eventually turn over control of the waterway to Panama was signed in Washington by President Jimmy Carter. Today in 2007, Osama bin Laden appeared in a video. It was the first time in three years he told Americans they should convert to Islam if they wanted the war in Iraq to end. Oh boy. Today in 2008, troubled mortgage giants Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, remember that? Yeah, they were placed in government conservatorship. The government took over Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. When the government takes over something, you know it's going to end well and everything's going to come out just fine, don't you? I wish. I don't wish. I wish we knew that. Today in in 2015, Hillary Clinton, interviewed by the Associated Press, she turned a campaign swing through Iowa into a little um, confessional. She said she did not need to apologize for using a private email account and server while at the State Department because she said, I did what was allowed. (laughs) It was allowed. So if something is allowed, then don't talk to me about it. It doesn't matter that I had all of the most highly important documents, the most security-sensitive documents in our United States government in my basement. One of the uh, was actually in a closet. Don't worry about it, Hillary said. Just leave it alone. And they did. They didn't worry about it. The press sort of brushed it aside and said, wow, can't believe they're doing this or she's doing this. But no, no consequences followed. One year ago today, the Taliban announced an all-male interim government for Afghanistan stacked with veterans of their hardline rule from the 1990s. They just picked up the day we left that catastrophic event, the day we left there, and I'm not suggesting we shouldn't have pulled out of Afghanistan, but I'm just suggesting along with 300 million other Americans that maybe it could have been done a little bit better. Even the press had to admit that. Um, Usually the greatest cheerleaders for President Biden. He blew it from one end to the other. 
on that, and we all know it. The Taliban said before our final goodbye, they said, yeah, we'll, oh, we'll maintain. We've learned a lot from America and American values and all of that. But as soon as we were out of town, I mean, our plane was still in sight, the last plane out of there, and they were going right back to what they were doing in the 1990s. Nothing has changed. And the people that are there on the ground and missionaries are communicating with people uh, on the ground that some of us know, and uh, nothing has changed. It's right where it was before. So when you hear this, you know, about, you know, changing governments and changing the morality of a nation, uh, don't believe it, because that generally doesn't happen through war. It always happens through the transformative work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And short of that, people go on as they were before when the pressure is off and the military might is gone out of the country. So that's what's happening or what happened in Afghanistan. The Wall Street Journal put out an interesting article today. It caught my attention because I want to talk about this subject. They published it just a few minutes ago, actually, in their um, early morning edition from the East Coast. But the Wall Street Journal says schools are back and confronting severe learning losses. The U.S. Department of Education released data showing this, I'm quoting this from the Wall Street Journal, released data showing that from 2020 to 2022, average reading scores for nine-year-olds slid five points to 215 out of a possible 500 in the sharpest decline since 1990. Average math scores fell seven points to 234, the first statistically significant decline in math scores since the long-term trend assessments began in the 1970s. They go on to say, while some students have begun to make up ground, researchers say that on average, it could take five years or more, probably more for today's fourth graders to read proficiently unless the pace accelerates. Well, the pace is not going to accelerate, and I'll tell you why in a few moments. But it says these students are at a pivotal um, pivotal stage. The Wall Street Journal says educators pay particular attention to nine-year-olds' literacy rates because research shows that reading ability by the end of the third grade can be predictive of educational success, career earnings, and the risk of incarceration. A study released back in 2011 by Anne E. Casey Foundation found that 16% of students who don't read proficiently in the third grade fail to graduate from high school on time, a rate four times that of proficient readers. So the key in learning they have discovered, and I don't contest this, I don't, I mean, it sounds reasonable to me, but they have found that it's that nine-year-old threshold. And if kids aren't doing well in reading, in particular, in at by the time they're nine years old, their, their risk is 16% higher. And um, that leads me to something that's happening here in the Northwest. I wanted to talk about that today a little bit with you. A teacher organization called Northwest Teaching for Social Justice, they host an annual uh, conference where teachers attend sessions and they learn how to break the gender binary, interrogate whiteness, I'm reading from their materials, and implement racial politics in math, 
in science classes. Wait a minute. (laughs) That's the problem, according to the Wall Street Journal this morning. That's the problem. They're implementing racial politics into math and science classes. That's what's the matter in our country today. It's a very sad day in America for education. And we started out so wonderfully in education. I mean, it was phenomenal the way America started in education. In fact, tomorrow, September 8th, is the founding day, the anniversary of the founding of Harvard University, our very first college, our very first institution of higher learning. It was founded in 1636, September 8th, 1636. 386 years ago, tomorrow, Harvard was birthed. And it was birthed not not in trying to break the gender binary or interrogate whiteness or implement racial radical policies in math and science classes. No, it was created to educate, particularly to educate for the ministry. It says so on a plaque, on a wall, on campus. I've read it. I've seen it. I've looked at it. I'll come back to that today, but... Let me talk to you a little bit about what's happening. I mean, this is, we, we hear these isolated incidents that happen in classrooms across the country, and we think, well, it's, it's isolated to North Carolina or Texas or California, or lots in California, but wherever. But this is pervasive in education today. It is not about educating. And I understand that the that this uh, story that I just referred to from the Wall Street Journal this morning, I understand that some of the the loss of, of learning, you know, the, the tempo and the, the path and so on. I understand that that is related to COVID-19. That was a disaster from the get-go. I mean, it was a horrible thing. It killed, you know, I can't remember the number, but millions of people around the world. And certainly it affected all of our, pretty much of our life and our institutions and so on. So there's no question that some of the the slide in learning that was mentioned in this Wall Street Journal article. It has to do with COVID-19, but it's not all about COVID. A lot of it is about what I want to talk to you about this morning, and it's about the fact that the education has been set aside for, for indoctrination and for turning these kids, <clears throat> these young kids, into activists. And that's why learning skills and the skills that they will actually need in the real world to serve God effectively, but also to have an effective life, are set aside. Education is not about education. They say it is. They have to say that to keep the hundreds of billions of dollars flowing into that massive, massive institution that we call public education. But this teacher organization, it's not a small thing. And each year they have this conference, and it's held alternatively one year in Seattle, one year in Portland. But it's unique to the Northwest here in the sense that I don't think they do this conference anywhere else, but conferences like this are being held in a number of different states and areas around the country. But these conferences, which are held, as I said, in Portland and Seattle, they bring together according to their PR, 
more than 1,200 teachers, teacher educators, and interested community members and seek to provide resources that promote equity and racial justice in the classroom. Is the classroom where they should be promoting equity and racial justice? Of course not. Nobody thinks that except the activists. And the activists usually don't have kids because they're gay, and if they do, they adopt them. Not all of them are, but many of them are. It's bothersome to me, and I hope it is to you. They said, we're seeking to provide resources that promote equity and racial justice in the classroom, according to the organization, about us, their page. I read it. I spent some time on their, on their website. Students are also invited to the event and are offered a discounted race. Of course they're offered a discounted race. They want those kids there so they can indoctrinate them. They don't have to wait till they grow up. This agenda profoundly conflicts with fundamental biblical beliefs to start with. Christians, beware. This is the tempo. This is the marching, the drumbeat of public education. That's what it's about now. It conflicts with biblical beliefs, but it conflicts with conservative ideology. And according to the Wall Street Journal, which I 100% agree with, it conflicts with education itself. This Northwest Teaching for Social Justice, it's NWTSJ, Northwest Teaching for Social Justice, it has little to nothing to do with actual public education. It's sharply focused on using public education as a means to access children and teachers and target the kids while they're captive in the classroom. Breitbart News published an article about this, about this Northwest. It was a national article yesterday. And I I included that in my comments. I wrote an article today that was based on that article and some other things. Um, And the whole article that Breitbart published yesterday is linked in, in my article that we published today on our website on faithandfreedom.us. Man, I would encourage you to look at that or just go to Breitbart News and read the story because I'm quoting from some of it here today, but just read the whole thing. I, I mean, it if it doesn't cause a parent's blood to run cold, I don't know what would because it's just an all-out effort to transform education into an indoctrinating, it's the kind of thing that Karl Marx dreamed of. And it's happening before our eyes, and yet we go along and we go, man, you know, just don't bother me with that, Gary. I hear you talking about that, and I hear other people talking about I'm telling you, it is so anti-biblical, speaking to the Christian, it's so anti-biblical that I don't know how we can stomach it, but we do. And I understand the circumstances around sending kids to school, public school. I understand that. There's the money issue. There's the, the, the mom and dad are both working. I get all that. I, I, I've been in the ministry, and I have a family, and my wife and I have three kids that we raised, and we have grandkids. I get all of that. I understand it. And I understand that the school used to be, the school and the church were kind of the centers of, of kind of the social life in town for most people and all of that. But boy, some things have changed. The Bible talks about 
being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we've got to be up to speed on this stuff. You've got to make your own decision what you're going to do regarding your kids or, in some cases, your grandchildren. I understand that. And I'm not responsible for your grandchildren. You are. But under God, I'm responsible to tell you what I know for your consideration, if that's where you are. And it's important. And it's I'm not overstating. I don't overstate things on this program, or I certainly try not to. There's enough of that out there trying to get you to click on this website and that website. I get sick of it, and I'm sure you do too. So we try not to overstate things here. Sometimes I understate them. But I'm trying to get to the truth, and that's what we do each day on this program. And by the way, thank you for your support, all of you who support this ministry, because we wouldn't be able to do it without you, and we need your support every month, and I thank you. From my heart, thank you. It means so much that you are allowing me, under God, to do what I feel God has called me to do at this point in my life. So thank you. And our address, if you haven't supported us, but you believe what we're doing is worthwhile, please consider it. Pray about it. We need your help. Pray about a one-time gift. Pray about regular monthly support. Whatever you feel God wants you to do or would have you to do. I am humbled and I am grateful. And I thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. One of the sessions sessions from the organization's 2021 conference last year, they had it. It was virtual because of the COVID thing. But they ran it like they do every year. But one of the um, one of the sessions was titled "Quote: Breaking the Binary: Exploring Ways to Deconstruct the Gender Binary in the Classroom." This isn't something that they're t- trying to teach teachers so that the teachers will be better prepared for what these kids are thinking. No, they're teaching teachers to propagate this to the kids and how to present it in the classroom. It's not a matter of dealing with something the kids already know. This is a matter of introducing them to these extreme, destructive, demonic kinds of philosophies. The introduction to the session says it's time to learn, relearn, and unlearn our understanding of gender, which U.S. society has historically defined as binary. Historically, U.S. society, they say, has said that there's male and female. But, oh no, that's not true anymore. Teachers are instructed to teach restorative, transformative social justice by focusing on triumphs when teaching about gender, not trauma. So don't tell about all the kids whose lives have been ruined because they've gotten surgeries and all of this kind of thing. And there's a growing chorus of kids and parents are saying, listen to me. We walk down that path and my child now is, is, is marked and bruised and broken for life because of this. There's more and more people stepping up, parents and kids who now are a little older and say, don't go where I went. This is not right. It doesn't work. So they don't want these teachers to touch on any of that as they teach these kids. Little girls and little boys. Little girls like 
get those breast suppressors that you wear so you're, you don't have breasts because you're a boy, you're not a girl, because you like to play with a tractor or whatever. That's where we, it's insanity. If someone from the outside looked at this from another world, they would say, what are these people thinking? They're barbaric in the destruction of unwanted, unborn children, and now they're trying to destroy the children that they have. I don't, I don't relish being so direct, but I would feel unfaithful to God if I didn't say what I knew. And I don't know it all, but I know this. I'm telling you, this can't go on like this. One of the breakout groups from a 2019 conference, I noticed, I was going over their agenda for 2019. It was called, What Does Whiteness Look Like in Our Schools? How Do We Interrogate and Interrupt Whiteness? What do they want us to do? Paint our kids' faces black if they're white and white if they're black? I mean, it's crazy. One of the teachers for this the 2019 conference was says what's up with white women unpacking sexism and white privilege in pursuit of educational justice that was the title of one of the critical race theory inspired sessions it's encouraging white women to quote examine how our internalized sexism and white privilege work together to create misunderstandings miscooperations and acts of supremacy who and these kids come home, and you ask them, how was your day? And they say, fine. What else can they say when they're introduced to this kind of destruction and destructive thinking? They had a breakout session last year in their 2021 conference, I noticed. was organizing for critical race theory in Washington State. The description reads that participants will cooperate to create a bag of clapbacks to respond to CRT critics and lobby school boards and state elected officials to support CRT and anti-racism in K-12 schools. So if you've been wondering why in Washington State this seems to be be advancing, it's because they're having seminars and conferences to train teachers and others, interested allied adults, I think they call them now, to go out and to lobby school boards and state elected officials to get this critical race theory and anti-racism taught in public school K through 12. I mean, it's an all-out committed effort, and it's not. There's not even a pretense of like, well, we're not really doing it. I mean, they they're just saying it. They're not trying to hide what they're doing. One one session from the 2021 conference was called "Decolonizing Our Minds." Amplifying BIPOC, B-I-P-O-C, cultures to inspire responsible action. This one focused on, quote, decol- this was 2021, last year, decolonizing our minds to break down white supremacist culture in the classroom. It also claims this same uh, syllabus or whatever for this class also claims that, quote, whiteness permeates school culture around acceptable behavior and learning goals. The organization has made a concerted effort to implement left-wing theories on both race and, and gender into science and math classes. 
But wait a minute. This, the Wall Street Journal today is talking about these kinds of classes and how kids are slipping behind. Yes, COVID had an impact on education and every other part of our life. But I'm telling you, this what we're talking about right now is having a major impact. That's why kids are now, they keep lowering the bar so that they can keep handing out certificates of accomplishment or or degrees or whatever, certificates of graduation in high school and so on. They keep lowering the bar so they can keep graduating people and giving them their degree and higher learning. Otherwise, they, they, they would be failing. A great deal of them would be. A 2019 session was titled STEM, Educating for Social Justice, Exploring Racism and Sexism in Science Classes. Well, the 2020 conference had an event called Warm-Up Routines for the Anti-Racist Mathematics Classroom. They're taking this Marxism and they're, they're connecting it to fundamental classic education, reading, writing, math, and so on. And they're connecting this, it's cultural Marxism to the, the disciplines that we have traditionally considered to be classic education. In 2018, a conference had an organization called Social Equality Educators that were helping them put it together. And I would suspect they're probably helping them to put this one together. It's scheduled for October. There's more. There's much more. But as I said, you could go to our web website and read the article I wrote today and, and published. And I put links. We always credit the people that we are quoting. And you can go to other to more information on this if you want to. But... Man, one of the most abiding concerns of the earliest Christian settlers in this country was education. Not just the education of the children of the elite, as in Europe, but the education of the kids here. These Christians brought us our first printing press. Our country's first 126 colleges were started by Christians and and church organizations, including our very first Harvard. John Harvard was a pastor. Well, visiting Harvard some years ago, Marjorie and I and our kids were there. I knew about this, and I looked for it, and I found it. There's a plaque on the wall, the old iron gate there at the main entrance where it all started, the campus. And there's a plaque, and I want to leave you with that. This is what education was intended to be in America. Harvard University, the plaque beside the wall where you enter the campus. After God had carried us safe to New England... And we had builded our houses, provided our necessaries for our livelihood, reared convenient places for God's worship, and settled the civil government. One of the next things we longed for and looked after was to advance learning and perpetuate it to posterity, dreading to leave an itinerant ministry to the churches when our present ministers lie in the dust. That is the foundation of American public education. That's the problem. We started right. We are not on the right track now. Deuteronomy chapter, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I have commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when you walk in the way, when thou liest down, when you rise up. Thou shalt bind them upon a sign on their hand and put it on your doorposts. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and teach that 
to your children. That is the beginning of wisdom, and that is the beginning of education. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's always a pleasure and a privilege. I'm going to be taking off next week, so we'll be running some reruns, and I'll be back the following Monday. But thanks for being with me today. I'll see you live tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.